unconditional Christianity. We also appreciate God's unconditional love for us, a love that has no conditions or limits. Simply put, it is offered freely and not based on whether we return it fully or in part. God's love for us is complete and absolute. Although it's undeserved, it is glorious. Yet I've been thinking, do we really fully and completely love him back? Hence the title of this message, Unconditional Christianity. Do we unequivocally, without condition, say yes to Jesus when he calls? Are we a sacrificial Christian or a social one? Have we reviewed the many possibilities that Jesus may ask us to do and say without hesitation or doubt, Yes, Lord, I will do it. This is a challenging question because many of us have become quite independent in our nature and attitude. A person, family, friend, or employer may ask us to do something and we may hesitate, even snarling or snapping on the inside at the unfairness or inconvenience of the request. Today is not the age of unmitigated obedience. Women have been encouraged to adjust the wedding phrase to love, honor, and obey to now be love, honor, and respect. Employees may drag their feet if given a specific order or even decide to delay or deny the instruction. Friends are more outright and will simply say, no, I can't do that, and may even tag on a conciliatory story but have no worries about their refusal. Ask any teacher today and they may tell you how difficult it is to arrange a classroom of students to sit quietly and attentively and listen to the lesson. Even I, as a Sunday school teacher, am amazed at how difficult it is to have my small group of preschoolers to third grade allow me to teach a biblical lesson. I've reduced it to five minutes to share the Bible story and lesson before we move on to coloring pages and activities. That kind of inattentiveness may explain why it's so hard to have people today take the word of God seriously and embrace the instructions of Jesus when he says to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. Is that a passage we gloss over in the Bible, or do we consider it actively on Sunday morning, but by Sunday lunch, we've set it behind us? Saying yes to Jesus means we're willing to do what he asks, when he asks. It's a determined obedience, not delayed or denied. It is, as Jesus says in Matthew 5:37, a simple response to a request or instruction. We read this early in scripture in Genesis 3 when the serpent debates with Eve about God's instruction. And instead of taking God's word for it, you may freely eat of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its root, you are sure to die. And instead, Eve agrees with the serpent that it will make her wise and like God. Simply put, Eve says to God, no, I won't listen to you. And we all know the consequences of that decision. Moses tries to explain the consequences of disobedience to the wanderers, saying, if you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin if you disobey. 
Jesus explains it from the flip side, explaining the friendship with God that it ensues as a result of our obedience, saying, you are my friends if you do what I command you. He has already taught his listeners the cost of following him, telling a large crowd, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Disciples, the scholars say this isn't just referring to life's burden or the difficulties that we may face, but it's actually referring to the cost of obeying Christ and what he's asking us to do, just as he obeyed the Father in accepting his cross and giving up his life for his love for us. How can we know this? Because of what Jesus says next. But don't begin until you count the cost, the cost of being a disciple of Jesus. And he concludes with, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Matthew records this instruction in this manner. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Definitely here, Jesus is speaking about sacrificial Christianity. He also warned the crowd about the social nature of the Pharisees' faith, saying that they may tell you what to do and how to live, for they preach, but they do not practice. They tell others how to sacrifice in following God, but they fail to do it themselves. Jesus saw this in many disciples who deserted him when his teaching became too difficult to accept. He explained to the crowd who had eaten the loaves and fishes or had heard about the miracles and were wanting the comfort and ease of getting fed for free every day, saying to them that they needed to listen and follow. But he knew that they didn't want him. They didn't want to follow him as a true disciple. They simply wanted to eat what they didn't earn or work for. To them, he said, yes, I'm the bread of life. If you come to me, you'll never be hungry again. But they crumbled when he said that he came down from heaven to do the will of God. After all, this was Jesus, and they knew him and his family as he'd grown up around them. Then when Jesus said to them they had to eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, or they couldn't have eternal life, they were enraged, and many had deserted him. They wanted easy Christianity, messages that told them they were loved and forgiven, that they would have eternal life and God would take care of everything, giving them all that they asked for. But when Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. He wasn't referring to a new Tesla or a perfect high-paying job. Why do I know this? Because he goes on to explain, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Later in this passage, he goes on to explain, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Here we can see that he's specifically talking about obedience. Thus, our requests are to be related to the will of God and not our own will, doing what pleases the Father and not what pleases ourselves. 
Have we committed ourselves to that kind of Christianity? Are we willing to follow Jesus if it means suffering and hardship, losing friendships, separating from family, surrendering our reputations, or sacrificing our jobs, or even our lives? That is what unconditional Christianity looks like, saying yes to Jesus and not ourselves, loving him without limits. Are we willing to do that? Pastor Paul Schneider took over his dad's church and thought everything was going to go smoothly. But then the government began to say and do things that were totally contrary to the word of God. When he protested from the pulpit, his own church leadership disavowed his teaching and sent him away to a small remote congregation. He continued to speak out boldly against the activities of the government and warned those within his congregation to follow Christ wholeheartedly. For this, he was imprisoned, and in 1939, he was the first pastor who was murdered by lethal injection by the Nazi party. He was willing to give up his life for the gospel. Johnny Erickson Tata also picked up her cross and followed Jesus. For her, it didn't mean giving up her life, but accepting a new life in a wheelchair. A young athletic teen, she suffered a devastating diving accident that left her paralyzed and in a wheelchair. Initially, she wanted nothing to do with others who were disabled. It was too painful to see them, but she says, God transformed my heart and changed my attitude and showed me that there are more important things in life than walking. For over 55 years, she has lived to serve, saying, what else could be more important than practicing Christianity with its sleeves rolled up among the needy? She said yes to Jesus. What will we say yes to Jesus about? In what way will we pick up our cross and follow him? How will we live as an unconditional Christian? If we listen to him, we'll know. God bless you, beloved. God bless you.